Forgotten Flicks, episode 106, Santa Claus, colon, the movie, 1985. What would it cost? Cost? Cost who? Uh, the people who, who buy the toy. Well, nothing. We're going to give them away free. Oh. Oh, that's fantastic. How do you turn your face so red so fast? For free! Hola, and welcome to Forgotten Flicks. I am Joel, and I am joined literally by the at, at the hip. He, he's he's like uh, I would say he's like Belial in Basket Case, but I'm more like Belial to his Dwayne. So hey, yes, it is Jason. Merry Christmas! Ho, 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 ho. So, so so in this scenario, are you more of a Santa, and I'm Patch? No, you're fluffy. <laughs> no, but see, you've got the facial hair for it, or the potential with in any right. in any given day, you have the potential for enough facial hair. Okay, well, I'll be fluffy, and you can be the one who almost ruins Christmas. So um, that works, or almost saves it with my awesome puce <laughs> pops. We'll get to that though. So, so it's Christmas Day. Merry yeah, Christmas, everybody! Merry Christmas! If you're just if you woke up, uh, rolled out of bed, and just hit refresh on iTunes, a get a life and be welcome. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and of course, those that are new to the show, which we realize that this is probably their gift. Actually, somebody probably downloaded all the forgotten flicks, podcast episodes, burned them onto <laughs> many, many CDs and gave it to them. And, and they decided to start with the newest one first. So in case that is you, <laughs> that I'm speaking to right now. I, I would call the police because the person that gave you this gift is disturbed. And well, no, I would say, would, no, no, no. You wouldn't want to call the police because probably the person who gave you this gift is now dead <laughs> and they got to get the body hidden and all that stuff. You don't want to call the cops. Not yet. <laughs> you know, no, definitely create an alibi first. You know, you know the drill. So yes, this show, if you're new, is really all about us remembering the movies that we all grew up with, sort of the the heyday of the video store era. So sort of that late 70s, mostly early 80s, all the way up into like the early 90s, that that pinnacle of what was VHS-topia. So well, we, try, we try and bring back uh, the films that have been lost to magnetic tape uh, and laser disc for the ages. And uh, even though 98% that, of the ones we talk about are totally available on DVD and instant. <laughs> most likely. <laughs> yes, they are. That's true. But they're, they're movies that have fallen off the, the cinema vernacular and uh, have kind of fallen to the wayside is, is fairly case, forgotten. Case in point, case in point, someone we work with, I loaned them Scrooged because they never even heard of it. Never heard of it. Yeah. And this is somebody who's almost 30. <laughs> well, okay. So, to, to be fair, but um, yes, and most of the movies we cover are from the very, very tip end of the late 70s, just a tip, all the way uh, through the 80s and up until the early 90s. Although you and I were just talking today yep. for next year, we may extend that a little bit just because we're looking at that range of like what movies were 20 years old or more. Yeah, wait for it, kids. Wait for it, kids. And starting next year, 20-year-old movies will include things like Pulp Fiction. 
Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, which is not a forgotten flick, but I can't believe that's 20 years old. So uh, well, how, wait, wait for it. Wait for it. 30 years old includes starting next year. Ghostbusters, last starfighter uh, gremlins. Right, Night so of the really, Comet. Yeah. That, that's our sweet spot is probably 30 years old, uh, um, around that. But, um, so yeah, so we are our second episode into our Christmas special. Of course, yes. last episode we covered Ernest Saves Christmas, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it, kind of the I want to say heyday of the Orlando film scene. No, or- I would say I would say it really came. It came to a. It really culminated and came to a real peak and tipping point with Shockma. Uh, <laughs> Which, yes. if you haven't seen that classic, just look it up. It's awesome. <laughs> Roddy McDowell, crazy uh, um, baboon in a friggin' building. Just, it's awesome. Yeah. So today we are covering one that's a little bit uh, more. I want to say mainstream, uh, at least for the time when it came out. But certainly a forgotten flick in that I have ne- I've not seen reference to it in nary a decade at least. Um, Santa Claus, the movie from nineteen eighty five. I'm sorry, I don't know what movie you're covering, buddy, but you didn't say the title. Santa Claus, colon, Mm -hmm. the movie from You're going to get all up in Santa Claus's colon by the end of this episode. We are, and he's going to look nothing like that weird guy. What's that? He's going to look nothing like the weird guy from Ernest Saves Christmas. (laughs) Mm, Indeed. (laughs) Joe. Joe. Santa Joe. (laughs) Yes, so uh, I have a trailer. It was way too damn long, so I edited. I edited it down. Ooh, big time. Okay, big. How long? How long was it originally? Two minutes and change. It was insane. Yikes! So what I got are you it at to now? just a hair over a minute. All right, perfect. We'll see how it plays. Okay, hit it. After that, we will then do a spoiler alert. <laughs> the prophecy has come to pass that there would come to us a chosen one. And that he himself would be an artist and a skilled maker of toys. From this day on, now and forever, you will bring our gift to all the children in all the world. This is your legacy and your gift, as is the gift of life. Salkind presents Dudley Moore. Merry Christmas! It certainly should be. And John Lithgow in the real story of Santa Claus. Now, for the first time, the legend comes to life. In an Alexander and Elias Salkind production, Santa Claus the movie. Seeing is believing. Hello. I'm JV. You may know me from such podcasts as JV Mail, About 12 Minutes, and the video game Journey Down Chapter 1. The following segment of Forgotten Flicks will contain information so pertinent to the film that, if you have not yet seen it, may ruin your viewing experience. So if you plan to see this film, please consider resuming the episode only after you've viewed the film, which you can find at... Netflix on DVD. We now return you to Forgotten Flicks, already in progress. Thank you for that, JV, and my bad, that should have been the streaming one. 
Yeah, it's streaming right now. As of this um, moment, at the end of 2013. It's also available. You can buy it on Amazon on DVD fairly cheap. So um, it's it's available. It's not a completely lost film. So This is true. And I, I did have one gift for you, my friend. Ah. It is from our mutual friend. Our partner in cinephilia. Whoa, that sounds dirty. <laughs> and illegal. Yes. yes, our buddy Peter has called in yet ah. again with Christmas wishes. Magic from the North? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> from Blue Peter. Here it is. Hey, guys. It's me, Peter. Uh, I just thought I'd take a quick opportunity, since it's that time of the year, to uh, wish you both a uh, Merry Christmas. Oh, and the listeners, too, of course. Merry Christmas to you all. And uh, it's been a fun year. We had some great talks. And, uh, I hope next year we'll do it again. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry about that. I'm still at work here, so... Uh, wait, hang on, sorry. Yeah, hello? Who's this? Peter, I thought customer service was bad over here. <laughs> oh, okay. So just for those of you who haven't listened before, that is our favorite Christmas movie of all time. Uh, Black Christmas starring Margo Kidder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a, uh, a, a holiday flick for the children. Let's just say. No, but if you want a hell of a Christmas time trilogy to watch, or well, it really wouldn't be a trilogy, right? A, a triple feature, I should say. Yeah, Black Christmas, Die Hard, and Gremlins. I think, or you, and if you, if, if if you're if you're a person who's sort of on the fence with Die Hard, I can't imagine who that would be. You could no, I, you could replace it with Lethal Weapon if you felt so inclined. Oh yeah, I'd give you either one of those. I'd give you both. But yeah, Black Christmas, fantastic. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, Peter, my friend. Uh, I hope you stay safe because you really need to move to another neighborhood. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's some scary stuff. And I, I I meant to do this earlier, but I want to apologize on the front end if I sound like I've swallowed a horse. <laughs> yes, I I'm on the back end of a cold. In fact, Jason and I were supposed to record this a week ago. Yeah. So I uh, I sound good now by comparison. Although I have lost the Batman edge, which makes me a little sad. Uh, for about a week and a half, I got to walk around just going, "I'm Batman." Without, without trying. Yeah, without yeah. even trying. It was great. <laughs> so special. Glad you're here. Glad that your voice is at least moderately cool, even if it's not as cool as it was last week. But um, special spoiler alert for this week. Uh, please keep in mind, after that last <laughs> phone call, um, uh, we are going to be talking about Santa Claus. So if there are children in your car, 
we don't want to give away any of Santa's secrets. As More we to the point, if you've got kids in your movie. car that are young enough for that to be an issue, what the hell is wrong with you letting them <laughs> listen to the show? Um, call us. We'll forward your number to the Department of Children and Families. Yeah, in, <laughs> in your respective state. Right. So, uh, anyway, so are you ready for the synopsis? Oh, I've never been more ready for because you? because I want to figure out how you are going to explain <laughs> which movie that takes place within this one movie. I'm just curious to see which one you're going to synopsize. All right, so I'm going to start with the first one. So this is a story of Santa Claus, and it really starts out with um, it starts out with David Huddleston plays Santa and his wife Anya, and they are in this kind of nondescript great white northern village. Um, I don't even remember the date. Do you remember? Did it have a date on it? Uh, I got the impression because when the clock started moving forward after he, spoiler alert, became the official Santa, right, and the right, clock right. started moving ahead, I think it was starting in, I want to say it was like the 14th century. Yeah, it made it, it was like it was 1300s, 1400s yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, and Northern Europe. German, like almost Germanic yes. vibe yes. to it, yeah. Um, so the whole concept was that Santa and his uh, his wife uh, would deliver these toys to children for just to be kind. Uh, they were all wooden carved, all hand hewn toys. And at one point, um, his sleigh pulled by two reindeer uh, got lost in a blizzard. And so they before well before they get a the blizzard, they're they're visiting the children, and the children tell the story of the Vendigum. Vendigum. Ready. Vendigum. And so they are, I guess, elves, because that's easier to say. And as they get caught in the blizzard, leaving uh, the kids' houses in the middle of the winter, and they must go to other children's houses, uh, they sort of die. Yeah, in a way, that's the implication. Um, or no, they just are in a blizzard that neither the reindeer can move anymore and, and everybody they can't, go, everybody so they cuddle goes, up and, and, it's, and everybody goes to sleep and we go to a dissolve implying extreme lapse of time which in those kind so we'll, of conditions we'll get to that we'll get to that, we'll get to that. okay so okay. when when they cuddle up in the in the sleigh and they're they're kind of the blizzards coming and then all of a sudden lights appear in the distance and it's the vendigum it's the elves and the elves bring them in and basically they say we've been waiting for you you are the chosen one uh, you will become Santa Claus. And so it's really the story of his origin of how he went from being a um, infinitely kind person, lover of children to really this global phenomenon of Santa Claus. And they Who requires kind of a colon after his name. He does. He does. Because after that, you have the movie, because when I go to see a movie and it's just titled Santa Claus, I think, oh, is this Santa Claus the book? Oh, no, wait. Santa, this Claus, is Santa Claus, the New York Post article. Santa Claus, the painting. Is this Santa Claus, the blog? <laughs> Santa Claus, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really confusing. What media, so what medium is this? That. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of show his progress through the years. And as he, they, they explain a little bit of his magic and all that stuff. Then there's kind of this point in the movie at which it transitions to current day in the 1980s. And he runs across a couple of children that he has a special affection for. One of for. which we're sure was a girl. Yes, we are sure one was. And which the other was, one was Peppermint Patty. 
<laughs> right. So Joe and Cornelia are, are Joe is the kind of street urchin, uh, homeless boy. Oh, uh, who was, Santa, oh, I thought that was Peppermint Patty. Yeah, no. Um, and uh, so Santa kind of takes him under his wing and, and talks him through. And then Cornelia is the rich girl who does not like her life and her nanny. And but she befriends Joe. And so the two of them sort of help Santa when he gets into some tough times when one of his elves, which I guess is kind of the third movie. No, it's really kind of the no, second movie. Yeah, no, no, I think you can make the argument it's the third because third movie? we have okay. the Santa Claus. So movie. Wait, wait, we have the Santa Claus movie. Then we which have is the, the opening. Then we have Santa the homeless, the, the homeless kid movie. And we could call them storylines or subplots. I'd actually argue no. it's, they're almost like no. movies unto themselves. They're separate movies because it's because it's homeless kid and rich girl. Yeah. Uh, story with Santa Claus, and then there's kind of a third movie which patch. Dudley Moore kind of takes over as Patch. He's the elf who really tries to come up with these extreme innovations at the North Pole, but they go as wrong as you would imagine they would when you try and create an assembly line and things happen. And um, so he gets demoted and fired or whatever. And to pout, he runs away to New York City and runs into one John but not Lithgow. before, not before he makes this point. I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. <sighs> no, wrong, wrong movie. Oh. <laughs> I wondered why I liked the movie so much. Yeah, wrong movie. So uh, he runs away and runs into John Lithgow's character, BZ of BZ Toys, who is, uh, I guess, kind of a wait, toy. No, wait, was, wait, was that the Notorious BZ? The t- Notorious B-I-Z? <laughs> yeah. No, no, Notorious. No, um, he, 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 who apparently makes toys that jingle because they're filled with shards of glass and nails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it was actually, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I, I, I bought, I brought this on board because I thought if you do, you'll love it. Do you recall this? Well, we'd like to show you another one of Mr. Mayway's products. It retails for one ninety eight, and it's called bag of glass. <laughs> Mr. Mayway, this is simply a bag of jagged, dangerous glass bits. Yeah, well, look, you know, a kid, the average kid, he picks up, you know, broken glass anyone, anyway. the beach, the street, the garbage cans, parking lots all over the place in the big city. We're just packaging what the kids want. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't feel that this product is dangerous? No, come on, look, we put a label on every bag, it says, kid, be careful, broken glass. <laughs> I mean, we sell a lot of products in the bag or line, a bag of glass, a bag of nails, a bag of bugs, a bag of vipers. So much like Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> pointing that was out. Dan Aykroyd. Yep. SNL skit. Yep. Yes. Candace Morgan. <laughs> Which back in the day, yeah. Murphy, Murphy Brown was a little. She wasn't ugly. No, nope. she wasn't ugly. So yeah, John Lithgow is portrayed pretty much as a one dimensional, greedy uh, loves getting rich, hates children. Wait, 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 kind of thing. You say one dimensional. How, how, how can you say that? <laughs> no. That was the most nuanced performance. I believe of uh, Mr. Lithgow's career, at least this side of cliffhanger. Wait, do it again. Do it again. Oh, wait, oh yeah. Ready? <laughs> yeah. And I argue he gets a little louder. So, oh, oh yeah, I know. I can't, um, I, I just don't want to move the pipes back. But, he, but so, Patch, being completely unaware of the real world, uh, decides he's going to sell or give away the sparkling dust that makes reindeer fly in candy form. Pretty sure that wasn't stranger. Approved. Yeah, uh, to a stranger he meets because he sees them in a commercial 
and decides that's who he's going to give his toys to, uh, this this candy to, and his his magic. So he can prove to Santa that he is worthy. By the way, I told you there was no way in hell that you could synopsize this movie. <laughs> You're right. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just no. no so, it's, not, it's not a knock on you, man. Nobody could. It's, it, it's not a very simple. I mean, there's there there is really three stories. So there's the Santa origin story. There's the uh, orphan kid and rich girl story, and then there's the kind of patch wayward elf story. And you can even make the argument that there's this fourth element with BZ and his world domination tour. I, I mean, I, I yeah, but that kind of plays kind into of? that's really the patch story. I guess is the ignorant elf who doesn't know anything about the world, which kind of like you kind of played the clip from the the Will Ferrell movie Elf. It's sort of that story where he doesn't know what's going on in the real human world, but he is dangerous because he's got all this other technology he knows about and he's willing to just give it up for free. And he's, he's one of the, he's a primo example of, uh, you know, a little knowledge, you know, being a dangerous thing, dangerous thing. Yes. Um, so, but it's a, so all of those elements together, it's really the, the central character that throughout all of it is really Santa Claus who played by, um, David Huddleston. Totally mentioned, by the way, totally mentioned in the trailer. Oh, wait, he wasn't. No, they mentioned, so they mentioned John Lithgow. Yeah. Dudley Moore. Dudley Moore. And That's all they mentioned, not really. the guy who played Santa. You yeah, know, no. the title character. Well, he wasn't a, he he wasn't as big of a star. I I dare say in 1985 Dudley Moore was the biggest star in this movie by no far. No doubt. No, I totally I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, I think it would have been awesome if they could have somehow through time teleportation or something said and the Big Lebowski. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, he was also in Blazing Saddles, wasn't he? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Yep. So um, but this was actually there. There are a lot of things, so I want to talk about this movie. One of the reasons we chose it is because it is a a, a relatively forgotten Christmas movie. If you ask people about Christmas movies, I mean, you mentioned Die Hard and Gremlins, and and um, thank God uh, we haven't covered those because that would be completely no. completely out of our wheelhouse for this podcast. <laughs> way 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 out. Um, but but this was definitely one that I felt had fallen off the radar because I haven't seen it in. God, at least a decade or more. Oh, I, I, have, um, I honestly think I saw this when it came out. That was the last yeah. time I saw it. Well, we had it. I remember um, it, it came out on HBO and we recorded it on VHS tape. And, and every Christmas we'd watch it in the late 80s, like, uh, you know, 87, 88. So I remember having the tape and watching this. But when you and I talked about Christmas movies to do this one, I had patchy little pieces here and there that I remembered about it. Um, but I had a general overall kind of warm and fuzzy that I enjoyed the movie. So going into it, I was like, all right, I think this one will be okay. I'm, you know, it, it won't be a blockbuster, but I'm going to be excited about it. But I got to say the first thing that, sh that shocked me, that it, it happens a lot to us. We watch movies when we were kids and then we don't watch them again until now. We don't realize half the people that are in them because now we've watched God between you and I, we've watched 10,000 movies. So I look back and I think, oh, my God. So first one that jumped out at me, first one because it was the first one in the movie, the lady that played Anya, Judy Cornwall, Cornwell, she is uh, in a um, Britcom that I absolutely love. My wife and I have been watching it for years. Of course, it's an older one from, the, from 1990 called Keeping Up Appearances with Hyacinth Bouquet. Her oh, name is spelled oh, Bucket. Oh, okay. You don't know that? Okay. So anyway, I've, I've heard, I've heard, for a I've long heard time. the title. 
I've heard of the title. Yep. Part of me it, is hoping Mags will call in to either yeah. chastise me or to mock you. That's either way. Probably. But I've watched every single episode. As a matter of fact, I remember, uh, gosh, probably 10 years ago or so, I bought season one for uh, for my wife for our anniversary um, because we always watch the, these these old Britcoms uh, on PBS for like a date night type thing. But she was in that and she was hilarious. And so I didn't recognize her until I saw I watched this movie again. I said, oh, my God, I know her. So she's a very famous actress uh, in the UK, at least uh, television wise, which was a big one. And then, of course, right after in the trailer, you played his voice of the. The elf with the mile long beard <laughs> has. I don't even know what the point. I th- you know what I thought when he first brought him out because I remembered so little of this movie. I thought he was supposed to be somewhat like in Ernest Saves Christmas, maybe the original the old one, the original Santa Claus that was withering up and dying, and this this big jolly guy was replacing him. And at one point, yes, like, it'd be great if he looked at him and said, "I used to look like you." Because because he walks out, he's an elf. He walks out with a beard that's so long it takes four guys on either side of him behind him holding the braids of his beard. So yeah, and did you see the and did you see the six guys behind him holding the one that was coming out from under his robe? <laughs> so the implication is this guy is like eons old. You know, we've been waiting, and he even talks like been waiting for you for a long, long time. time. Do you see like, what this job does to you? It's like being a teacher. I started out tall and big and jolly like you. So even in the IMDb page over him, he is uh, listed as ancient elf. That's it. He's just (laughs) ancient elf. And of course, he's played by none other than uh, Mickey Mickey from from the uh, Rocky movies. It's Burgess Meredith. um, Damn it, kid. (laughs) a really long beard. Talk like Mickey Uh, the whole time. That would have been great. Oh, man. Uh, who of course passed away some time ago, but anyway, he, he kind of comes out as this, as this, well, wait a minute. He passed away because Clubber Lang got in his face and scared him, gave, him, gave a him a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. Which then gave, gave Rocky the fire he needed to get the eye of the tiger. Back, <laughs> right. Do you realize you ready for this? Do you realize that, uh, this year, Burgess Meredith would have been 105 years old. Wow. He didn't die <laughs> that long ago. It was in the 90s, 1997. right? 1997. Yeah, as you say, late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was. Uh, well, I love uh, the fact that. Almost he, 90. He was wait, almost 90. Wait, wait. I love the fact that 16 years ago in my mind wasn't that long ago. Right. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, that, was, that was like, what, like a few years ago? But he, but he pulled that character off perfectly just because the way he delivered it and, of course, the way the camera angles were and everything, it made him look small without him having to be uh, a child actor or something. I mean, they, they really— would have been great if they got a child actor with that beard. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, now, he, and actually Burgess Well, they did that in, um, they did that in uh, The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Yeah, vaguely. They right. had all those young kids that said, oh, I'm 148 or something, you know, yeah, but they were did. all— tweens or whatever wasn't the name uh, of the elf in that patch or something like that oh i don't remember remember the, the guy's like his sidekick yeah yeah i really don't remember that movie <laughs> i blocked it out <laughs> but, although so. i do want to point out burgess meredith is in one of my 
all-time favorite Twilight Zone episodes. Oh, which one is that? You remember Time Enough at Last? The one where he's the guy that just wants to be left alone so he can read, and he goes in the bank vault, and while he's in there, spoiler alert, the nukes go off atomic bombs and when he comes out the whole world has just been leveled in but except for the light like i think the new york public library he has it all to himself so he can uh, just nobody will bother <laughs> me he just spend the rest of his life reading he's so happy overjoyed <laughs> and then he slips his glasses fall off and he steps on them oh i remember that and they break and he yep. can't see without him <laughs> oh man i love that show. <laughs> that was great <laughs> So anyway, there's a couple other ones in this. Um, the the other notable one, Jeffrey Kramer, who played uh, John Lithgow's assistant. Yes, and and I, his, it took like, me it took me a while to realize who he was and yeah. what movie he was in. Well, not just movie, but the no, fact no, no, that no. Has, there's only one movie in my mind that mattered. Okay, there's only one movie he's in. Well, two um, technically, as kind of a part in, but he was also a pretty big producer. And uh, he produced a, a bunch of episodes of the, uh, uh, the Practice and Ally McBeal back in the nineties. Ah, he's he's done he's a bunch responsible of responsible for the dancing baby. Uh, I don't know if that was his idea, but uh, no, he's so. responsible. <laughs> no, of course he, he was. In, in what? He also produced Chicago Hope, which is another one of those medical shows that yeah, did really well. I, I never watched that. Um, yeah, so I didn't expect you to watch Ally McBeal either, but the fact that you knew there was a dancing baby suddenly—I remember you... I saw a few episodes of that. <laughs> oh, eh. All right, yeah, I watched it on TV once. It just was hey, on Courtney Thorne would... Smith was in that. Kiss my grits. So, <laughs> but he was in the movie, The Jaws. <laughs> the Jaws colon the movie. Yes. Yeah. Jaws. <laughs> well, there is Jaws colon the Revenge. Oh God! Don't even, don't even bring that up. So, um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, of course he was the uh, the deputy. I, I'm for his brain. His name is escaping my brain at the moment. But yeah, uh, he was the deputy. Brody's deputy. Yep, yep. Um, he was in that. But then he's done. You know, he did a lot of producing and other stuff. But he was the he was the kind of bumbling, thick glasses accountant in Santa Claus to uh, John Lithgow's character, who is the pompous, loud, pushy. Um, oligarch who wanted to rule the world through toy sales that kind of thing so and, and i apologize jason i did not get the because for whatever reason I, there was no clips available on freaking youtube for this movie it's ridiculous and i neglected to pull the line the other the other way we discussed oh because <laughs> i was going to have it queued up and ready and i just realized like damn it i yeah, forgot to get that the was line. the that was the one we talked about doing this movie and i and i remember telling you the only line or back and forth that I actually remembered from this was when they were developing the, the magic lollipops um, that, that had the pixie dust for uh, uh, reindeer to fly was when they were talking with Towser, the uh, Jeffrey Kramer's character. And he was saying, we should make the color puce. What's puce? And he says, "Well, it's a tad more, a tad more blue than fuchsia, and something." Like that. And he said, "If we and if we could, whoever put it in liquid form, we could call it puce juice." <laughs> <laughs> I just find it interesting that you remembered a line from this movie. I barely remembered a shot from this movie. Yeah, so it was uh, it was funny. But so those are the main characters, the main actors, actresses that were in it. But so as we mentioned, three separate movies. The beginning of the movie, I. 
really, really liked because it told a very I did too. In fact, it's a very sentimental, uh, a very classic story of a reluctant guy who just, you know, in the latter years, the twilight of his life was trying just to make kids happy in a rough time. All he did was just um, carve wooden toys for kids. And they did a great job of sort of playing him up as a selfless character, a humble character. And he stumbles upon uh, the elves who have been waiting for him this whole time. Well, and, and I will say that I, what I really liked about the opening pretty much the first, I guess 15, 20 minutes before we get it was into a good the, chunk. Yeah. It was well, probably 20 minutes. Well, so, I, yeah. I love the production design, like everything in Santa's shop. It was yeah. all really gorgeous. I mean, it's gorgeous. It was very low tech, you know, very artisanal, very, uh, it looked handmade. Everything yeah. looked, even the wood looked hand yeah. carved, like yeah. even the railings and the building. It was really, the, really, really well done. The architecture and the way that they made his workshop and his whole North pole building look. And even down to the um, detail of when the first night that he and Mrs. Claus were in um, uh, Santa's workshop, the whole complex there, they were sleeping in that bed that was kind of like a loft with those hand carved doors and everything that the production quality of that was fantastic. It was really, really amazing. And, um, I remember those bits probably more than anything else in the movie. Um, then they go to sort of the story of Joe and Cornelia. And that's a, Joe is like, I'm going to say a homeless kid who Cornelia, who's a, a red haired little girl lives in a uh, upper East side, Ramona Mansion. Quimby. She reminded me of Ramona Quimby from uh, the Beverly Cleary books. You remember those? Oh, yeah. That's a good way to put it. I was thinking yeah. like a pimp long stockings look. Yeah. Uh, with but the hair, hair, the hair reminded me. She's a little yeah. older Ramona. Uh, although I will say in Joe's defense, unlike our, our favorite other street urchin, Harmony Star <laughs> from Ernest Saves Christmas, this kid, yes. this kid didn't need a lot of convincing after santa landed his sleigh unlike that genius in the other movie who apparently can yeah. pull toys out of a bag constantly and not and yeah, she wouldn't it. believe it no no uh, no it did, didn't you take find, did you find it odd that santa had been santa for as long as he had and it was almost as if when he discovered joe this homeless kid <laughs> like as if that was the only homeless kid that ever had existed in all of humanity's existence that it is and he was shocked by it you're alone why are you alone you're a child this this doesn't happen well (laughs) (laughs) well that was one thing the other thing that really struck me about that whole sequence of the uh the two kids because really the those two kids actually go with santa and um joe goes back to his uh flies with him in the sleigh he drops him off at one point they all go back to santa's uh, workshop the cornelian joe and santa what struck me more was that one year he has Joe get in his sleigh with them and they make some runs. And of course they stop at Cornelia's house. She remembers Joe from out on the street and she's like, Oh, what are you doing here? And he's like, yeah, me and Santa buds. And so Santa's like, Oh, I'll just leave you here, Joe. I'll see you next year. Yeah. And he takes off. And then next year, a year later, a year at next Christmas, he bumps into them both, both identical. No time has passed. Nothing has yeah, happened. They've not aged at all. The clothes are exactly, exactly the same. The same. And, and they wait, were like twelve and, years old, eleven years old. No Joe, difference. Joe, I might point out, still on the street. 
Same clothes. Joe had the same damn clothes on. Cornelius got the same haircut and they pick up but like I, we, it had been like 10 hours. We would be remiss. <laughs> there it is. We would be remiss if we didn't point out one of the greatest lines in this movie. Oh my gosh. While, yes. while putting presents under Cordelia's tree. <laughs> with Joe there. With Joe there. Yep. Cordelia comes out and realizes, wait a minute. Hey, aren't you Santa Claus? And then this happens. Are you him? Are you Santa Claus? Boy, I hate it when this happens. I laughed out loud. <laughs> because the look on his face. He's very much like, like you expect him to reach into his waistband, pull out a Glock. And go, I'm sorry, Cornelia. And after he plugs no. her full of, full of nickels, he turns to Joe and goes, and you've seen too much, kid. Sorry. <laughs> It's it's so somber the way he does yeah. it, and it's not it's like so sad. It's, it's like he's just, it, oh, it you know it is, <laughs> it's like he's filled with just sad regret <laughs> at what he's what he has to do next. That I have to do this, kid. You should have stayed in bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. It is. It is kind of odd, and so that the whole segment with Joe and Cornelia, while. Both of them did a great job, uh, you know, kind of acting out as child actors, and and the three of them did have some chemistry. The writing of that piece just felt really weird, and the fact that it was year over year, and that they like decided that Cornelia and Joe were just going to stay at the North Pole. Like, is it Cornelia or Cordelia? Uh, I, I I don't remember. Cornelia, I thought, but I'm going to call be her Corn- I'm going to call her Corningware. This is going to be the bad right magazine. because that's what jo- Joe called her, Corny. Okay, That's I'm going to call her Corning Wear because this will be the Mad Magazine version. Go ahead. Corny. Um, but the fact that, like, towards the end of the movie, spoiler, Santa's like, oh, sure, you guys can stay here for a while. And that's Whatever. when the one else like, now I've got to be a school teacher t- too. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, what? You're. No, uh, okay, now so I have to be an accomplice to kidnapping. Wait, no, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I have to be an accomplice to kidnapping. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I'm like, wait, wait a second. Yeah. And of course, as a kid watching this, I'm like, cool. Yes. They get to stay with Santa. Yes. And then as a parent, I'm like, I would shoot you, Santa. You're- well, no, the best <laughs> part is we have to add this in. Corningware lives with her uncle, her step uncle. I, I don't even know how that works out. But- no, because he was coming to visit. I you sure? And Annie was like, yes, because then Annie's like. Your step uncle is here to visit. But they and- made an awful big deal early on in the movie about she's like, well, he never even knows what I'm doing. So I get the impression she lives with him. Well, I don't think so. I think, well, they maybe. Never, did they ever make reference to her parents or anybody else? No, never make reference to the parents, which always seemed odd to me. But um, I, I took it as she has rich world, you know, world traveling parents who leave her with an auntie. No, I totally her. thought her, her uncle was who she lives with. That's why his picture was there. I, I that's how I nah. took it. totally took it that way. That uh, could be, could be. Which, but, uh, but, but it's that still adds weird. A level of creep. That adds a level of creep I hadn't thought of. Before. Yeah, but, but I'm saying, like because they make the your step uncle. Like, how does that even work? Because think about it. Well, your your mom remarries. Okay, and uh, her new husband's brother. Okay, then yes, is this rich evil guy that stuffs glass and nails into teddy bears? And you have to understand if you haven't seen this movie. They literally make BZ, the John Lithgow character, like imagine the most stereotypical, snively whiplash minus the mustache 
Yes, caricature yes. of, kind of, of like an CEO. Or, yeah, but, yeah, but but of like a a a robber baron. Yeah, yeah, just you know, oil, ma- yeah, like big oil yeah. magnate, like just whatever cliche stereotype you can come up with times ten. That's funny you mentioned the mustache because now that I think of it, I can imagine him kind of twirling oh, that totally. long villain I mean, mustache. I actually think he may have done that, like done instead of air guitar, it was like air mustache. I'm pretty air sure. <laughs> But you know what? I love John Lithgow, and he plays a great over-the-top. I'll give him credit. That dude doesn't give a damn. He just he, he goes it to town. He doesn't care. He just, it was, oh, oh, wait. That's some scenery that needs chewing. <laughs> so, yeah, does. but but I, I do I do find it interesting. A uh, couple points. One, Sam Santa, in, in all his omniscient glory, who knows all of these amazing things about everybody in the entire world, doesn't know that bz is corning wears step up like he doesn't know that that relationship's there he doesn't no and he doesn't know what patch is doing either <laughs> yeah he doesn't uh, know what anybody's doing yeah that he's stolen the magic pixie dust mm-hmm. from them he doesn't mm-hmm. know that oh by the way patch mr naive mr i don't know anything about the world doesn't know anything about anything yet yet knows <laughs> what a senate subcommittee is <laughs> And why that it's a bad thing that BZ <laughs> was brought in front of Congress to testify. Right. <laughs> How would he know? He doesn't know what money is. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, he was there because he was a name. <laughs> yeah. What? what? Now, and, and did you also find it just a little strange that now Dudley Moore, I always got the impression was a shorter than average gentleman, like. I was, yeah. I don't know what he was like five, four or five, somewhere in there. Like he was you know, five, three, five, two, that's some, what I was, somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so, but yeah, somehow, even though he's playing an elf in this movie, he seemed gigantic compared to even the humans. Like um, he, he never seemed that small or it seemed to fluctuate. Well, like the, the, to me, this actually, I felt like they did a better job of the elves in this, that they weren't like microscopic, small, that they were just short people. <laughs> Microscope. They were sea monkeys. Yeah, they know well. <laughs> they sea monkey like, Well, they weren't like um, three feet tall. Like some yeah. movies make them out to be really, really tiny. Um, in this, they just seemed like they were shorter, regular people. You know what I mean? And so Dudley Moore to that kind of fit. Um, that he was that height. Burgess Meredith even fit in in the way that they portrayed him and did the the cinematography work to make him look like he was just short. Um, he fit in that too. So it, it, it felt okay to me. I didn't feel too bad, but did this blow you away? I, I didn't even, I don't know why. I don't know where I was, or what was going on. I had totally, totally blanked out that Dudley Moore died like 11 years ago. Oh no. I remembered. Yeah. I had no, I, 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 I had, I did remember- like, I wonder what he's doing now. well that's a happy how do you do yeah if you'd forgotten i knew he had died i just didn't remember exactly when and how i remember it was kind of a freak thing i remember it was a freak thing Mm. it was pneumonia right uh i don't remember what it was that's what it said that's what it said on the end of a page and he actually uh interesting trivia macabre trivia trivia note he died the same day as director billy wilder oh wow yeah who also died of pneumonia of course, he was substantially older than Dudley yeah. Moore was at the time. Yeah, still, because uh, Dudley Moore was only sixty-six. Yeah, he was pretty young for the, yeah, fairly young. So, um, but anyway, so that that struck me. But um, yeah, it was it was an odd kind of sub story in it. But there was one thing I wanted to point out with uh, Cornelia, 
um, who, when I saw her, I thought, oh, she looks kind of familiar. She has one of those kind of kid faces that you think she was probably in um, other stuff or other movies, just didn't, didn't ever hit it big. But uh, Carrie Keheim played Cornelia. Uh, you know what she does now? If you say porn, (laughs) (laughs) that's happened far too much on the show. It's happened a lot on this show. Wait, what was the one from, um, Fright Night? Oh yeah. Stephen Jeffries. Yeah. Stephen Jeffries. No, no, this is a good story. She is actually, uh, an attorney and an accomplished novelist. Really? Living in Boston. That's awesome. She was just, and she's like, almost exactly my age. She's 40 years old. So, um, she is, uh, married, has a kid, fine. Just never really did any movies after, uh, Santa Claus never did any Gee, acting and, stuff. and helping to anecdotally prove my point, which is got her ass out of Hollywood and she turned out a hell of a lot better than the majority of right, them do. Didn't right. she? <laughs> she did. Now listen, after Santa Claus, the only other movie she did, uh, which was the year after 1986, she was in, Parent Trap 2, which still was Haley Mills. Real? Uh, was that a TV movie, like a Disney movie? Yeah, it was straight to TV. Yeah, it was straight to TV uh, um, uh, TV movie. But, but uh, I think it was um, Wonderful World of Disney. Um, I think I work. actually remember that because I loved the, the Parent Trap when I was a kid. I think, oh, I, I, actually, love- I think I actually remember seeing the sequel. Yep. So she was in that and then no other acting credits. And so I was like, God, really? She just dropped off? And then, of course, I, I started looking her up, doing some research. She's a, a, an attorney and uh, writes uh, as an accomplished writer. So I thought, that's a good reason to get out of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, to actually have a life that somewhat approaches normalcy and uh, happiness. That's great. Right. Good for her. Um, so nothing else on, on, on her. That was kind of... Uh, uh, I thought that was a cool little twist. I thought she was, she maybe would be in something else, but that was it. And then um, Joe, uh, played by, by Christian Kirkpatrick, just unfortunately, uh, stay, unfortunately stayed in Hollywood. I <laughs> know. Uh, um, I don't know what else, uh, what he's been doing. I know he had a part in Vice Versa, uh, a, a bit part, but I didn't look up his life or what else he's done. But I didn't recognize him as much as I did uh, Cornelia. So <laughs> he was in Vice Versa, the Fred Savage. Yeah, oh, uh, Fred it, Savage what, and uh, uh, Judge Reinhold. Oh, interesting side note. The movie that came out opposite, like father, like son, with Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron. Oh, that's right. It was like com- the same com- year, it was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, they were like competing. Yeah, it was like 87-ish. Yeah, they were competing. Yeah, yeah. 80, 87 or 88. Yeah, 87, 88, something like that. Yeah. And it's sort of like how we had, you remember Deep Impact and Armageddon, or you had uh, Bugs Life and Ants. Like you you always seem to have yeah, these yeah. these movies that come out at the same time. Those are the two that came out. I remember that, that were in competition. Wow, that's right. I forgot the same damn movie. the Dudley Moore one. I, I, I think I liked the Like Father, Like Son better, as I recall. The Dudley, the Dudley Moore Kirk Cameron yeah. one. Because that was Kirk, remembers, Kirk Cameron was very was very uh, Mike Seaver in that. Yeah, yeah. All I remember from uh, the uh, Fred Savage version was uh, from Vice Versa was when he was a kid in the office building riding up the elevator, and the other executives were standing in front of him with their back to him, and they're bad mouthing him, and he flicks them off. Yeah, like they a, can a kid, see a kid, him, but he's like giving the middle finger. And I remember as a kid thinking, "Ooh, burn." <laughs> 
um, yes, but, uh, <laughs> well, that is a classic indeed. So, um, not that I really want to wrap up the conversation. <laughs> I really have not much to add other than. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you, um, you did watch this when it, when it came out or at least close to it when it came out in the eighties, right? No, I, I saw it in the theater. I remember seeing it in the theater, my dad. Yep. Okay. So now I was sticking with the whole video rental store rating system. Mm-hmm that we've kind of invented over uh, spooky flicks fest and carrying on. What rating would you give this one being take it back same day? It was so bad. Five being you keep it and simply pay the fine to buy the movie. Okay. And three is you, you would keep it for an extra day just to watch it again. The nine year old who, who, who saw this movie or the, Almost forty year old. <laughs> well, let's start with the nine year old. The nine year old would have given it probably a solid three. Okay, so now watching it, I give it a one. Your kids, I give it a one, and the reason why is yeah, because even my kids, I think, got bored, <laughs> <laughs> and they don't get they all all of my children. I told them they may be the youngest kids in their generation who have seen all the universal monster movies for the most part. There's a couple they haven't, <laughs> but over Halloween, we watched all the big ones anyway. So, <laughs> so, and they sat through all of them. I mean, even yeah. Dracula and I'm sorry, the original Dracula, La Bella goes, that's a boring ass movie. Okay. It is very, very I forgot how, now the, the, the interesting trivia note, the Spanish version that was filmed simultaneously at night, we using the same sets and everything, but different actors for the Spanish language market. It's on the DVD. That one Way more cinematic and interesting. The Lugosi one, the 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 Todd Browning one, and Todd Browning's Freaks is one of my favorite old flicks, but oh my God, Dracula's boring. They sat through that. <laughs> really? Santa Claus colon the movie. I think they were happy when I told them it was time for bed and there were still 45 minutes left. <laughs> Aww. And it's Aww. Santa Claus. Aww. Now, they, they were like, oh, okay, well... We want to watch it later, but there was never the. Normally, you get the like the pushback. You get the, oh no, I really want. It's like, come on, let's finish it. No, no, no. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk to your boys. I've got to fix this because I would give this a solid four as a Christmas movie. Are you joking? No, there were there were three odd stories. I gave Ernest a two, but I can't. But I would definitely, definitely rank this a an exponent above Ernest. Really. Yes, because I think the production quality overall was really oh. good. I think the acting, all of the acting was good. You know what I it is? John Lithgow. You know, you know what it is? You know what I can't get past at the end of the day? And I am, I'm an entrepreneur. I have no problem making money, folks. But this movie, by the very nature of its name, was... You know what this movie was for? I'm going to play it for you. I'm going to play it for you. Ready? This is what this movie was for right here. Interesting plans. Santa's are especially busy making you something special. Mm. A stuffed reindeer ornament just like the reindeer in the new motion picture Santa Claus the movie. <laughs> Good likeness. And it's free when you buy a five dollar book of McDonald's gift certificates. So put plenty of both on your Christmas list. McDonald's gift certificates and free reindeer ornaments. Believe me. I don't know if you could make that out because it's YouTube <laughs> crappy sound. To be fair. A five five dollars worth of gift certificates to McDonald's in 1985 would have fed you for a week. So, 
Okay, that's true. So they were they were looking out for the homeless kids. I get it. So I see you see this as a big commercialized. This movie uh, represents seriously all the bitching we do about Hollywood being like bankrupt and blah blah blah. This eh. movie is sort of epitomizes that. Now that being said. The early on part, like the first, how's this? The first 20 minutes of it, I give a three. After yeah, that point, I, I give I don't it separate, a one. No, no, I don't separate any of that because it didn't feel, the rest of the movie did not feel commercialized to me. I mean, there was, it was very formulaic. I mean, it, they definitely played up John Litho's character as a caricature of an evil capitalist uh, CEO of a bad company that was trying to make money. calls them commies. Right, yes. Yeah, so Commies! I, I, <laughs> so it was, it was caricatures, but I thought the movie was still really sweet and it was very genuine. I, I felt like David Huddleston's ca uh, character as Santa Claus was probably. I don't know whether I want to hug you or kick you right now. <laughs> now, now, listen, I got something. I got one other big thing to drop on you. Okay. Okay. All right. I think David Huddleston's character as Santa Claus is probably one of the best portrayals of I agree Santa with that. in a, I agree a Hollywood with that. movie. I agree with that. Um, I, I have a hard time with most of them, and I don't know if it's because he's one of the first portrayals I saw of Santa no, Claus. No, he's really a good Santa Claus. But he was great, and I think even better than, like, the only one I would give better is, like, The Miracle on 34th Street. Burl Ives. You know? Yeah, because it was black and white, but he was good. He really, really, but, okay. But he did a great job, and the whole thing was very sweet and genuine, and it didn't, it didn't get cheesy, ridiculous. Are you joking? too much you didn't think it got cheesy oh no man. i don't okay. think so i thought it was pretty good all around and i liked it now here's the last thing i got to say about this movie you ready mm -hmm. <clears throat> i didn't recognize this when i watched it the first time mm -hmm. so this is something i picked up only watching it now as i'm older as i'm a grown i'm a grown folk you're a grown-ass man did you cry i think this whole movie is not real I genuinely think watching it again. What was he, it, whoa, wait, wait. Was it the movie in the title that gave it away? No. He and Mrs. Claus died in the blizzard. All of the rest of it is just kind of him dreaming in heaven. It's kind of his. Uh, his, his highway to heaven moment. Uh, no, I'm not kidding. I, I honestly watching it again. Wow. Well, okay, that, wait, wait, wait. So wait, now I'm going to take you one up one more level. This may make it a two now for me. If you, if you could, if you can concede this point, was he, wait, was he really in heaven? Cause his ass was dreaming of the eighties <laughs> and John Lithgow's over acting scenery, chopping character was center. No, seriously. Listen, after he and Mrs. Claus kind of snuggled up, the, the, the reindeer seemed to die off. And all of a sudden, the snow is gone. They're warm. These elves are there. All this weird fantasy stuff happens. And not only that, there's disjointed parts in the movie that happen. You remember, you know, like when you're dreaming and when you wake up and you start explaining the dream, you realize that parts of the dream would never actually fit together. So the idea that he's in the 1980s and the new toy that Santa comes up with is a rag doll that wets. Okay, so those things and the fact that he sees Joe and that's just such a neat storyline that that kind of fits together perfectly, just like you would imagine that kind of storyline happening if you were in a dream. I think the entire movie after they go through the blizzard is his 
dying experience, like his hallucination, as they're dying in the blizzard. So Everything his hallucination was prophetic. His hallucination was prophetic. No, I think that but the no, because movie he, was, well, because think about it. If it was actually all a hallucination, then he actually hallucinated cars and skyscrapers and things yeah, that didn't exist in his time period. Uh, maybe, but I, I but say that, he was. If I say about, anything, you dream about. Listen, you dream about flying cars. You dream about weird futuristic stuff, robots and stuff that aren't real now. Yeah, but we have context for that. He didn't. He wouldn't have had context. Like we have. We have ideas that have been planted in us regarding those types of things we're not dreaming of floating that, ice crystals that people's no, consciousness get sucked into you know because they don't no, i had dreams when i was a kid in the 80s of weasels that looked like white snakes that stood up and would talk and had mustaches but they weren't weasels <laughs> i was no. so hoping that was going to go somewhere like and then there was that time at camp <laughs> so, where that cult I mean, showed up in context to his the ferret worshiping century, <laughs> listen to his 14th century contemporaries. He starts telling the story. It sounds just as crazy as Pee Wee Herman telling his story of having a dream of rolling a donut down the road. And <laughs> I, I really think you're reaching, but <laughs> I just I remember watching that part and thinking it looks like he died. Oh no, yeah, I definitely seem. I wonder if the rest of the movie is pretty much just his hallucination as he's dying. Hmm. There you go. Santa Claus is dead. I'm still giving it a one. So, you're welcome. <laughs> damn it, <laughs> you you were this close to getting me on board with a two, uh, almost to a two, almost yeah. to a two. But you would no. take this back the same day, yeah. really? Yeah, the same day. Yeah. Did you even watch this all in one sitting? Yeah, and oh. I even and, and and I even attempted to watch part of the second half again because my my kids were like, I was like, oh guys, well you want to finish this? Oh, because we said it. You're like, uh. You know Everybody's looking at each other like, oh, I guess. All right. <laughs> I really can't believe you don't love this movie. This was no. so sweet. It's good. What's the opposite of love? It's not eight. It's apathy. Oh, yep. That's oh, really that bad. Yeah. Oh, I really that don't makes like me this sad. Movie. Well, again, I <laughs> really, really like the first 20 minutes. Like if we can just do it as like a short film. Uh, no. I like the look and feel and vibe of that. They should have kept it back then. They should have literally made this an origin story and left it at that. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, yeah. was it me or did the area around Cornelia's house, that front part that Joe kept walking through with the columns or whatever, did it remind you of the beginning of, I think it was Cloak and Dagger? Yeah. Remember, remember Cloak and Dagger when Jack Flack shows up at the party at the very beginning? <laughs> yes. It's, it had that same, I wonder if it was the same location. It looked very similar. It felt very Victorian. Like the house was caught in a time capsule because even her dress, like her... Uh, her nightgown or whatever she was in when she met Santa Claus. It looked very turn of the century. I think they were going for that vibe, but yeah, yeah it just did. <sighs> we're also talking about one thing we haven't acknowledged from the man. What brung you super super girl the year before Supergirl. <laughs> Which interesting side note, the producers <laughs> of this were the guys who produced Supergirl. The director is the same director. You think somewhere in there, Really? Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that Supergirl come out of it is biggest stinkeroo. Now, my guess is Supergirl was year probably before. Supergirl was the year before. Yeah, yeah. That was that was starring. Uh, they must uh, have been Helen Slater. Slater. So they were probably was, shooting was, this around the time the Supergirl came out. They're already invested. And they're like, ah, crap. Wow. Because I can't believe that this had been a couple years after Supergirl. I highly doubt 
that it would have been the same group of guys. Because interesting to note, at least I don't believe so, I don't think they did anything after this one together. Of course, uh, this guy also did uh, Jaws 2, which I would argue is a very good movie. I like Jaws 2. Yeah, it is. Jaws 2, no, I Jaws 2 is my second favorite of the Jaws movies, and it's probably the closest to the original. Uh, because if you take Jaws out of the equation, it would have been a great movie by itself. Yeah, no, it, it was it was very, very good. I did like that, so... Um, but yeah, yeah, Helen Slater and, yeah. uh, yeah. I, I think I, there's something about that, that movie and this Santa Claus, the movie, I, I must have like PTSD on them or PT C and D. Cause I just, <laughs> I just, C and D. are you C and D positive? <laughs> oh, no. Well, actually not on this one. I'm not, <laughs> you might be <laughs> make sure no, I, don't... Cause I rewatched it and loved it. But uh... yeah. no, I think, I think true C and D. Is when you're in denial, like when yeah, you can't acknowledge how crappy something. No, I refuse. No, I got it. Yeah. <sighs> so anyway, right. my friend, would you like to uh, do our movie picks? Yeah. Which I can safely hell? say your movie pick <laughs> will be substantially more awesome than this one. No, you're wrong. Oh no, I'm not wrong on that. All right, here we go. So, my friend, what is your movie pick? Uh, all right. So, this was a tough one um, because we've already done Cliffhanger. That was my John Lithgow connection yep. that I love. Um, I wasn't going to go TV route with John Lithgow, which was uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, so, I did go with the director. We talked about it. Uh, Juno Schwark. 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 Juno Schwark. Schwark. Right. So uh, I, I'm really bad with, I'm sorry. I did not do that. <laughs> it just, it is. Um, who did do Jaws 2, which we both acknowledged was a great movie. We, we liked it. It was really a good Jaws sequel. It was a great Jaws sequel. Um, but he also did one that I have not seen in many, many years. So I'm giving this a caveat, but I do have memories of watching it when I was a teenager. And I remember um, having just this sentimental connection to it. Like it spoke to me on this, uh, cool level. It, it somewhere in time starring Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour, who Dr. Quinn medicine woman, but it was this idea that he was a contemporary guy in 1980 who through meditation and these, uh, tapes and, uh, dressing up like he was in the time period transported himself through time, like a hundred years in the past. And he, yeah, meets he transports himself back to the beginning of, well, it's not quite a hundred years. It's actually the beginning. It's, it's very early on. It's like 19 teens. It's a, because of the very beginning of it, he's an actor and he's in a performance and this old, old woman or not like right. late nineties yeah, a, a lady yeah. comes up and, and puts something in his hand and says, come back to me. And she leaves and then he finds out she's died and then ends up finding tries out, to go back and find yeah, out who yeah, she is. Yeah. yeah. So he does this kind of weird, almost, um, that movie altered altered states yeah with uh, William hurt yeah yeah William hurt so he does kind of this altered states where he goes back in time i thought it was a brilliant way to handle the time traveling conundrum is make it about your consciousness not your body correct and i just remember watching it and just this is one of those i didn't watch a lot of romances as a kid as a teenager not because i didn't like them it just wasn't on my playlist um, but this is one of those I really connected to. I love Christopher Reeve, obviously, um, Superman stuff. But this movie, I 
Like I said, I have not seen it in probably 20 odd years, um, but I had a great connection to it. And so when I was looking up uh, Santa Claus, the movie, and I saw that the same director did both, it really struck me because they seemed like such different. Well, yeah. so does Supergirl, but yeah. <laughs> just, it seemed like such weird opposites. Like he's done uh, Supergirl and Santa Claus and Jaws 2. And he, he did some Boston public uh, uh, episodes and Jag. And it it just felt like, yeah, he's more, he's more of a journeyman. Yeah, he, he's yeah. a very established director that, that, that works for a living. So but this was one that I have fond memories of. Um, and then of course the ending, uh, which yeah, don't, 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 it's a spoiler. I won't give away, but it's definitely for me. I even remember watching it as a, as a teenager. It was a tearjerker. Oh, heck yeah. Um, and that whole element of it was just, oh my God. If so you if, if you don't cry in that movie, you're a heartless prick. <laughs> so, right. So I, I don't know, maybe we'll cover this in the future, but, um, I haven't thought about this movie in so long. Well, first, and, and it's uh, may I say, day. may I say great pick and i may also say i was right much better than the movie we just got to discussing and i have seen yeah. it way more recently than you i've seen it several times it was based on a novel by richard matheson one of my favorite authors of all time and it is a freaking great movie period end of story really it's not it's, probably, CD. it's a good movie it's a great 25 story five years yeah. i'm gonna guess at least oh, yeah. that it's, I it's, it's, it. it's a very well done story all around it's just great yeah so anyway, that's my pick is uh, um, Somewhere in Time yes. from 1980 starring Christopher Reeve. So. And I know it's a great pick because it was one of my two. And depending on what your pick was, that's why I had two. Because I was thinking, you know what? He might go for that one. And you did. So there you go. <laughs> so tonight, Unpredictable. There you go. Interesting side note for my pick. Also in the romantic, somewhat in the romantic genre. It's Read a romantic, a romantic I know, really. <laughs> they, they make pills for that, by the way. <laughs> a romantic, yeah, romantic comedy starring Sir Dudley Moore, Mickey and Maude from 1984. Have you ever seen Mickey Really? And yes. Ah, good one. Amy Irving and Anne Reinking, I believe is how you pronounce her name. She was uh, in probably the thing I knew her from the most other than Mickey Maud was Annie. She was the the one who works for Daddy Warbucks, and we got Annie. That that whole yeah. Thing. She was the like his personal assistant or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The hotness yep. of the legs. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. So in uh, Mickey Irving is is more hotness, by the way. So just so we're clear on that. Well, back in the day. Yeah. I would actually say Anne was really. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about her that's just almost like she's carved out of stone. I don't know. It's like a a thing. She reminded me of like a teacher. Like, yeah, like, like, you know, there's I'm a like sternness like, and, yeah, and you know, what? Hey, a... hey, Hey, maybe you're into that. You know what I'm saying? He eats his own, <laughs> but obviously Steven Spielberg was, ha <laughs> didn't because it was his first wife. Get it? <laughs> so yes, Nikki and Maude from 1984 in it, Mr. Dudley Moore plays a, a man who is a um, bigamist. He Marries them both and gets them both pregnant. So, or he's in love with both of them. As I <laughs> but, but not the bigamist. Well, yeah, I guess it's the bigamist. I was going to say, not a polygamist. They didn't know about each other. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a bigamist who must. Comedic, I got to keep them from knowing what's going on with the other yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's like this wacky screwball comedy where he has to keep his wives from meeting each other, which becomes very tricky, especially after they get pregnant. And they're both due at the same time. And, and yeah. <laughs> uh, it was directed by the great Blake Edwards. Yep. Yeah. And there's a 
it, my list for next year, dude, keeps getting longer and longer. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> he did one with John Ritter that why am I completely brain farting? We mentioned this not that long ago. And right now, Peter's listening going, you moron. It's, it's uh, not skin deep. Is that right? Is it skin deep? That's not right. Um, I don't okay. think so. Hold on. He did. Yeah, blind no, he was. It was skin deep. Was, I was right. <laughs> skin deep. All right. I know he did uh, uh, blind date with Bruce Willis and Kim Basinger. Yeah, so. yeah he did like Victor Victoria. He, yeah, he, yeah, he, he married. Did, to, he married to Julia Panthers, Andrews. You know the Pink Panther movies. Yeah, yep, yep, Pink Panther movies and Julie Andrews. He was married to Julie Andrews. Or I guess still is or was. I think he passed away. Right. He did pass away. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. Twenty ten. Yeah. Do I think? I don't remember. Yeah. Twenty ten. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah got a lot of great stuff. Fantastic uh, director switch with uh, uh, Ellen Barkin, which I remember liking. But yeah, Skin Deep would be a fun one to do. That's with John Ritter, where he's like the womanizer, and he, yes, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. that was great. So, <laughs> but yes, he directed now, Mickey and Maude. Now, didn't um, I have vague memories of this? I remember the pregnant ladies and him running back mm-hmm. and forth between them. Didn't this have like the early some of the early WWF yes. guys in it? Yeah, like Andre the Giant. I think yeah. I want to say the guy who played the Iron Sheik. The Sh- Iron Sheik, yes. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was a co- there were several of them in there, but yeah, I also had George yeah. George Gaines, uh, who was from the Police Academy movies, and Punky Brewster, of course. Yep. And then Wallace Shawn, who yep. was the um, uh, never go in with a Sicilian when death is on the line. That was excellent. Um, yeah. We need you to do a Wallace Shawn. You're listening to Forgotten Flicks drop. That was awesome. That was perfect. <laughs> Which of course I love Princess Bride. Which of it course, is. but wait a minute. Now think about it. He did this movie with Andre the Giant. Yes, and Andre awesome. the Giant. Uh-huh. All the Sean, yeah. Uh-huh. Also had Richard <laughs> Richard Mulligan. Empty oh, Nest really? And soap, yep. Yeah. And, and the Heavenly uh, he Kid. Yeah. Another Heavenly. movie got to add to the list. Dang it. <laughs> Our list is like 10 years long We're now. We have to go back to every <laughs> week, dude. <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> I'm serious. At the rate we're going, this is crazy. Uh, uh, did we mention soap in the last episode? Yeah, Just, I think we did too. Yeah. yeah so we, we, anyway, big, big John Stud, who yeah. could have been a wrestler or a porn star. Either way. <laughs> nice. Yes. So yes, my pick, Mickey and Maude from 1984, classic Excellent. comedy romance starring the late great Dudley Moore. Late great, which I can't believe he's late. I right? know that just is sad. I like Dudley Moore. Damn it. Yeah. Shouldn't have drank so much during. Arthur. Of Arthur. Arthur yeah. too. <laughs> On the rocks. Yeah. So, so my friend, would you like to hit everyone with some knowledge? Yes, please. Uh, first and foremost, check us out. If you haven't already on iTunes, uh, we love getting reviews. We haven't had any in a, uh, a little bit, not too long, um, but we need some reviews on there. Give us some reviews. If you haven't already helps us get up in the ratings and introduce us to more poor suckers. And I'm not saying uh, that if you have already, you couldn't create a whole new account and do it again. Uh, you know, whatever, uh, you know, multiple Facebook accounts and multiple iTunes accounts. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> you can also, speaking of, you can also check us out on Facebook. We have the Forgotten Flicks Facebook page, which actually we put up trailers and clips and things on there uh, and then news about our episodes. But you can also join our Facebook group. We go way down some rabbit trails talking about all kinds of other uh, movie junk and memorabilia and uh, uh, stuff that's coming up. We, we do a lot of ADD stuff there, ADHD stuff there. So um, check us out. We're also on Twitter at Forgotten Flicks and at Flicks Sidekick. I think that's it. I forget anything? Nope. 
Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, my friend, and to all our wonderful, wonderful listeners, all three of you. Yep. And and thank you all very much for a fantastic 2013. Yep. Here um, we go yep. into 2014. We got a hell of a lot of good movies coming up. We'll be You're back in about it. Yep. two weeks with our next one. And I'm actually going to start getting back into the habit of posting the friggin' schedule on the site. So go to ForgottenFlix.com and there's up on the menu, you'll see schedule and you can click on that. I'm actually thinking once we get our movie list completely laid out, maybe doing it quarterly and that way I'll have to try and remember every month. Yeah, we so, can plug a whole bunch of movies at once. Yep. Give you some time to find them either on uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime or your local video store, DVD, whatever you want to buy. So Yes, yeah, so Jason, any final words? <sighs> I hate it when this happens.